We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. I'm your host, Blair Andrews. As always, joining me is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Man, been a great day. I've been a, I mean, this is, I just, like, this one theme that popped out early is like, like QB has just kept dropping like flies. And I'm really excited for a guest who's here to help us break it all down, man. Definitely, yes. Very excited to be talking with Thomas Emmerich. You know him from his offensive line work at Rotoviz. You know uh, probably his podcast. Remember that game? Very fun podcast. Uh, Thomas, how's it going? Going great. Yeah, wearing uh, light blue in honor of the Oilers throwbacks today. And uh, coming up this week, rerunning an episode did with Steven Ruiz a while ago. Uh, Oilers, Bills uh, in the early 90s. They had a fun one. I think some people remember. And uh, yeah, that'll be uh, rebroadcast on Wednesday. Man, awesome. Before we get into it, this throw the throwback ideas were <laughs> fantastic. The Seahawks nailed theirs. The like like the Titans nailed the Oilers look. Like it's pretty cool to like watch as a fan. Yeah, the, the, they're they're finding some of the greatest aesthetics we we've lost over the past few decades, uh, at least for a week to enjoy here. Yeah, it was fun. I was I was watching uh, some of the Commanders game, and I don't remember seeing like that. All red is maybe a new one, but I don't know how much how much they want to throw back to their old their old uh, branding. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't see much of that, but the Eagles like it's really hard for them to top anything. The Kelly Green, in my opinion, like <laughs> like 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 the Kelly Green is just so nice that even like their vintage aesthetics like not that great. I don't know if you guys feel different. No, oh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I was ready for Kelly Green Week. Um, just uh, just watching some of the old uh, YouTube sometimes recommends uh, stuff on the the early '90s, late '80s Philly defensive lines, and seeing them in the Kelly Green uh, got me up for the NFL season. And uh, uh, some of the oh my god, yeah, some of the best throwbacks really have kind of come back uh, this year. Um, one throwback we might not see coming back this year, perhaps Justin Jefferson, because now his quarterback went down with what is very likely a torn Achilles. Kirk Cousins, of course, um, left the game in the fourth quarter. Not confirmed yet, but it seems like the team is pretty sure that's what it is. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Thomas, how are you approaching players on the Vikings going forward, given this situation? Yeah, I'm particularly bummed about this one. I was never like a huge Kirk Cousins guy over the years. Like, like when he's in Washington, thought it was a little inflated. But um, to me, he he's playing the best football of his career this season. And I was especially tied to it because in the, uh, my preseason or the, the last article I had going into the year for road of is there, my big uh, takeaway at the start of the article was uh, like my biggest uh, flag plant was that the Minnesota Vikings offensive line was going to put them in a better position for success than they had in maybe a decade or so. Um, and they, the deep value better had done some good uh uh, market consensus ratings to, to see how the market views different offensive lines through different metrics and then uh, putting that together. And Vikings ranked about, I think it was like 14 or 15. I had them as like the top one I thought could be, could actually overperform the market uh, perception and finish as a top 10 offensive line. And so Kirk uh, Cousins being successful uh, was part of that kind of bearing out in the metrics at the end. And to see him go down when I actually thought he's playing really good football um, and go to an unknown is a bummer. Um, you know, I've uh, I was kind of bullish on, on Addison too, and that that connection coming alive the past few weeks uh, now becomes uh, something that's it's just a total unknown now. Yeah, um, one of the names that sort of floated around, uh, you know, after Cousins went down is you know, I mean, this is like a pretty precarious situation here for the for the Vikes, right? Like one. I think Kirk Cousins is towards the end of his contract, if I don't, if I remember correctly, and they need to make a decision if they're going to extend him or not. And they have to also make a decision on what they're doing with Justin Jefferson, right? Like, are they going to tear down year or nay, right? And I think he gets, he gets, as the name I saw thrown around a bit was Carson Wentz. Do you think that they should actually be taking a stab at him at all? Or is this just all some real, you know, are people scaring us with this Carson Wentz stuff? <laughs> Yeah, that's that is kind of scary to contemplate. Um, Wentz, uh, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want to see him throwing to receivers I have on my fantasy team. So, um, but on the other hand, I don't know I don't know exactly what all the options are. I haven't dug too deep into into uh, who's who. What are the other names that the Vikings could be considering here? Um, yeah, I don't know, Thomas. Do you have any insight on? Yeah, um... where we should be going. Yeah, a lot of uh, funny uh, make the call quasi uh, <laughs> tweets out there. You got pictures of uh, you know gifts of Tom Brady and Case Keenum, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I guess the Commanders have uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett on the trade market. Um, I don't know if you go back to uh, and any other players that have retired recently. Suddenly, there's like a dearth. I mean, we went from like. Uh, thinking it's a it's a renaissance of like middle class QBs the last couple of years to this year like suddenly hitting us in the face that like they're actually suddenly a QB dearth, uh, mm. especially in the middle class QB. Um, and so it's really slim pickings uh, and a lot of like uh, potentially fantasy land stuff that you just want to like believe like Tom Brady would come out or yeah I don't know. Yeah, there's no way Brady's coming back though to play for a middling four and four Vikes team. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like that's like a tough. I mean, that's really a tough sell because I mean, if anything, the guy should come back and 
you know, just sort of cruise with whoever is like a front runner. I mean, to, to your point about the dearth of the middle class quarterback, a lot of serviceable backup quarterbacks are on rosters, right? Like, like you know, we we're talking a little bit about the commanders earlier, but they've got Jacoby Brissett there as a backup quarterback who several teams should have honestly had inquired about, right? The mm-hmm. Jets should have inquired about Brissett a long time ago. I don't know why they didn't bother there, but the Vikes are definitely one who should be considering kicking the tires on him. Right. Like there's like there's serviceable backups around the league. Um uh Jameis Winston, I know the I have no idea why what would what it would take for the Saints to let him go. But the fact that they played him through, you know, they played they they allowed Derek Carr to continue playing through like a sprained sprained AC joint mm. suggests that, you know, why do they even have him on your on your roster? Um I mean, Dalton might be. I mean, he, I know that they don't want to give him up, but you know, like there's there's a there's a bunch of different serviceable backup quarterbacks. Actually, I'm I'm curious if if Dobbs has done enough to be a viable trade candidate in the event that they are the Cardinals go ahead and actually, uh, you know, finally activate Murray, who's been practicing in full. Thomas, I wanted to get your takes there. Um, yeah. So uh, once, yeah. I'm not really sure what to make of the Cardinals situation right now. It seems to change every week, whether uh, uh, I'm betting on like Demarcado, Demarcado uh, like uh, in the lineup one week and then the switching it the next week or, <laughs> or when Trey McBride is happening, which seems like it's, it could suddenly be now, but I'm constantly finding myself on the back foot um, figuring out whether uh the stock is up or down with anything with this Cardinals offense this season. Um, when, when, when Dobbs is, uh, when you think Dobbs is going to be a disaster, he's like pretty solid. Uh, and then when you start to buy into Dobbs, all of a sudden production falls off a little bit. Uh, yeah. Dobbs week was a tough one for me, man. <laughs> yeah. Bad memories. Um, so it, they're, I mean, that's one team that's like, like zagging when, when I, you know, kind of think they're going to zig. Do you guys think that this is reason enough to for the Vikings to shut Jefferson down for the whole season now? Like, um, I don't, I don't without Cousins? So. I, I guess I mean, it depends on whether they can actually, uh, you know, keep winning some games. So maybe the better maybe question is really matters. The better question is will Jefferson let them, right? <laughs> like, 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 like there was like, I don't know if you guys heard like the, or like we're following along the stories, but like, he was fighting to get back in the game after knowing he suffered like an injury, and he's been fighting mm-hmm. with them about not going on IR and wanting to play through it. So, like, I mean, look, like the size of the dog in Justin Jefferson is must be massive considering he's one of the top two wide receivers, especially considering you know everything that he went through from a prospect profile perspective, right? Like, I don't think that I don't think the team is gonna just sort of they're gonna pretend. Sh- I don't know if they're gonna shut him down or not, but like, I think it comes down to the player's choice. I think he mm-hmm. wants to be out there, you know. If that make, if that if that makes sense, just from like knowing, knowing what his reaction was, <laughs> like I don't I don't see him just sort of shutting himself down. The issue is 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 who they have because I mean realistically, like the NFC is really really bad, yeah. and there's I still think the Vikings can be a potential wide wild card team, although although one of the best bets until this Kirk Cousins injury was Vikings to miss the playoffs, yeah. Cobra kind of makes a good point. They've got a, a pretty good schedule coming up. I mean, after Atlanta and New Orleans, they also get Denver and Chicago, then a bye, then Las Vegas. So it's, you know, a lot of winnable games coming up. So Yeah, um, and, they, and they beat they 
I mean, they didn't just beat; they trashed the Niners, right? Like, that was like an abject dancing on <laughs> on 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 national television. So, so like, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm more, I'm more con- like interested in who they trade for because I want to see. I wonder what the what the team thinks of itself, right? Thomas, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I mean, seven, you know, teams make uh, make the playoffs in each conference. Like, I think. Like it's more likely that the Vikings will be in the playoff race going into mid December than they'll be done. Um, and as long as uh, that's in sight, you, I, I would bet Jefferson's going to get back as soon as he can play. And with you know how, um, you know probably if you're looking at quarterbacks like eleven through thirty two, how like ranging from inconsistent to you know really struggle bust this season, um, you know uh, whoever steps in uh next whether they, they stay with jiren or they make the trade uh there's a decent chance that you know their quarter their their offensive production could be or that their prediction from their quarterback position could be about as good as the falcons would have with ritter heineke next week or um the bears would have if i, I mean i don't know if fields is back or if it's Bajent or badgent or whatever it is um or uh you know say the raiders would have with you know, Garoppolo or Aiden O'Connell or what have you. Yeah, speaking of speaking of serviceable serviceable backup quarterbacks, uh Taylor Heineke completed 12 of 21 passes for 175 yards and score in the Falcons' uh week eight loss to the Titans. He also had two rushing uh, attempts for 14 yards. Uh Ritter was evaluated for concussion and he was cleared to return, but you know, it, it looks like Heineke essentially Wally pipped him, right? To you know, li- like I guess the only guy who was surprised to see this coming was Arthur Smith. Right? <laughs> like uh, that, that Heineke looked far more uh, competent than Ritter did, despite losing Drake London to a groin injury. So this is sort of a twofold question, right? One, do you think that we're we're gonna see Heineke start either rest of the season or next week? And two, how big of a loss is this Drake London loss for for the Falcons, um, considering? They seem to not care that they've got blue chip skill players at every position. I mean, Atlanta, you know, what they, they had a third string tight end throw to their TE2 yesterday. Oh, yeah. uh, or I guess John Smith's their tight end one. And so I guess we evaluate <laughs> yeah. by uh, targets. But um, I mean, Arthur Smith seems content to continue to make hay in the most uh, creative ways uh, to avoid, yeah. I mean, the, the people they draft in the first round. Uh, I think a lot of it, I guess, depends on whether they're, they're, they stay in the game too. Um, they, if they're forced into more pass situations, it's been yes yeah, for the yeah, fantasy community, you know, including myself. Like, it, it gets infuriating that the Atlanta keeps ending up with competition that isn't that good, and they can keep hanging in, uh, up pulling all this um, with. Uh, with you know when, when a lot of us end up having uh, you know pits or um, yeah I, 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 and it's, it'll be interesting to see what this means for for pits going forward as well probably you know probably just continued uh, frustration and fury. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Heineke is a clear upgrade over Ritter though. Like you could just sort of tell like the difference between the two, right? Like like Ritter runs like he, he runs around like a chicken with his head cut off for the most part, in my opinion, right? Which which me, le- turns itself into a lot of lends itself a lot of unwatchable football at least with heineke under center there were he was slinging darts he was hitting these guys even if it wasn't necessarily the guys that we want and it actually you know 
opening up the offense like that, surprise, surprise, allowed for, you know, Bijan to break off a handful of pretty big runs. And he was able to actually score his first rushing touchdown of the season. Um, we're not going to stop Arthur Smith from playing, from playing, just being a donk and playing guys like a Tyler Algier, right? Like, that's, that's not going to change. I just, I just think having Heineke in there, like last year wasn't a big deal. Like, he was actually pretty good for the, for the commanders. And I think that he's actually going to be a net positive for this offense, if that makes sense. I think that sounds right. I mean, Heineke obviously played better than Ritter uh, has so far this season. Um, I guess my question is whether, you know, even for as bad as Ritter has been, is he like the real problem with this offense? And can Heineke really solve that much about what the Falcons are doing? Um, maybe, but my guess is kind of probably not like probably they're still going to be the Falcons. Yeah. And I mean, you would hope some regression is some sort of normal, you know, average or, or replacement level, even starting quarterback in the red zone where, uh, Ritter had this combination of turning the ball over at an extraordinary rate and also keeping it on the read option running it in himself the rest of the time. Um, <laughs> In a way that, yeah, when you have, you know, London or Pitts or Bijan, you're like, oh, not again. It's either, it's either a fumble, <laughs> a pick, or a, a Ritter touchdown. Either way, you, you feel the same. Yeah. Um, I think uh, maybe one of the most interesting developments of the week is actually on the other side of this game. Will Levis comes in, um, starts his first game in the NFL, and throws four touchdowns, uh, three of them to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, do we, I mean, Levis looked really good in this game. He wasn't asked to do a lot, only 29 attempts, but do we think that he's legit? And I mean, Tennessee not looking back from this, right? It, you, you think like those, uh, Traylon Burke shares can like hopefully come off the bench. Like this is some sign of life for that offense. Um, even if it was, he only got the two targets in this one, like, you know, it all, uh, you know, all the production went Hopkins way, but you know, at least there's something there. If you know, you took uh, Burks in the, the middle rounds um, and I imagine Hopkins ain't uh, vacuuming up all three touchdowns every week, but I guess we'll get more on tendency next week. What was interesting was like the long, like sort of the long plays, right? Like we heard a lot during draft season about how Levis has a pretty solid deep ball, but like, Today was like sort of the first time we really saw it. I don't know if you guys saw his fourth touchdown or not, but it was like this off the back foot dime to I can't even remember the guy's name. Oh, uh, Nick Westbrook Akine. Yeah, yeah, and that was like it was like this just this backing like this back fadeaway like incredible um, like pass. But he had he showed like this big deep arm strength. Um, Traylon Burks actually had a really impressive sideline catch. I don't know if you guys watched that. Like he had this really impressive sideline catch. Yeah. The issue was is this is the NFL, not college. So <laughs> he had only one foot in bounce. But it was, you know, like you were saying, like it'd be nice to to have a way to play him. But I wanted to get your your take on Chig Okwanka. I can never pronounce his name. I'm just gonna call him Chig. Um, I wanted to get I wanted to get your take on him to getting six targets as well. Like, do you think we see more life signs of life out of Traylon Burks? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Chig, you know, did yeah, lead them in targets. So, you know, you like to see that if, you know, you're you're, you're finding your way out of the, the tight end wilderness, uh, you know, here here in the middle of the season. Um, 
and Traylon Burks only got the two, but had that one, you know, down downfield. At least he got some air yards on that and the nice catch. And like we saw the talent there and like the burst of production before he had that looked like vicious concussion or concussion from that vicious hit against the Eagles mid last season. So we yeah. saw something with Tannehill where like th- this guy can do it at the NFL level, at least in a burst. Um, uh, but we haven't been able to recapture it to this point in his second season. A lot of stuff going on at quarterback, of course. And Tannehill injured early. Um, and so even though it's only two targets here, I guess you're you're betting on what you saw last October uh, compared to this one, uh, along with what you're seeing today with Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i in a really bad way in a, in a couple of my um, like quarterback leagues. Like, I'm... I'm sort of uh, mixed up between like uh, Bryce Love and Kenny Pickett and like all these like bottom of the barrel, like on like, like legitimately unstartable guys uh, just, just because like, you know, when you, when you're playing in some of these like one quarterbacks leagues, sometimes people just love drafting a bunch of quarterbacks and holding them. Right. But like, but like, I think I'm going to be considering taking a stab on Levis in some spots. I've, uh as a as a as a personal note in a lot of superflex dynasty leagues and even some ha- a handful of deeper one quarterback uh dynasty leagues i did take a stab on levis um i got him super late this has burned me before because i was like i was a, the guy taking zach wilson that didn't work out but it worked out when i took justin herbert so maybe this thing just sort of alternates every year hopefully levis works out for me so like let's see how this pans out um also, I did, I did want to get your take here on Tannehill. Like, is he tradable? Like, given that he's suffering with dealing with an injury, like, can you trade him away? I imagine Tannehill has value. I mean, he's he's had two um, uh, pretty good seasons in recent memory for the Titans, and like he, like he looked like I think I, as I recall, the start of the season he had one really good game and one really horrible game. But like you, you've seen him at least like ball out at least once this season. And, you know, teams have seen this guy in the AFC championship uh, in the past five years. So there's got to be some trade value there. Um, Hassan in the league, we're in together. Uh, Tannehill and Mariota are my backups to Joe Burrow. So uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be reaching out to some people soon to see if I can have a backup quarterback in this uh, league where we can't uh, do pickups every week. It's a uh, kind of a it's a situation where everyone has all the starting quarterbacks uh, on their bench in the 14 teamer so I, i'm already assuming there's a decent chance Tannehill's played his last snap in tennessee that's just my hunch at the moment yeah uh, and just just so people listeners know this is a 14 team one quarterback league it's full of road of his alumni it's it's pretty tough i'm not gonna lie it's got a bunch of different layers like a rookie auction and a rookie mid-season one-time free agent pickup and it's pretty tough because the rookie money keeps rolling over so you have to decide how all in you want to be on some of the rookies yep and i'm all in on qj uh breakout <laughs> night part two tomorrow <laughs> you mean tonight or oh, sorry man. god yeah and I wish uh, it was tomorrow I, I i wish we never had to watch him play football again <laughs> until, until i mean I, I have too much qj guys he actually has one catch tonight for three yards so we're getting there Okay. Low and steady. He's hundred percent catch rate. Okay. Yeah. Before before I came in here, I saw yeah Eckler get down the sideline, and I was like, yeah, that'll that'll be Quentin Johnson someday for the Chargers. Uh huh. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Titans, of course, have been one of the teams that, you know, everyone's been talking about making trades before the deadline, which I think is Tuesday, right? Um, What are the chances now that uh, Levis has kind of shown what he can do that maybe we see a Tannehill trade in the next couple days, maybe to Minnesota? Wow. Wait a sec. Vikings could be back. Really? I don't know. Does Tannehill move the needle in Minnesota? I haven't heard that, but I love it. Like, what does Tannehill do for that offense if he if he ends up there? Is he a meaningful upgrade? Like, he wasn't playing well this year, so that's kind of kind of why I'm I'm wondering if it's how big of an upgrade over Jaron Hall. I, I would assume it have to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, I, th- I think I think part of the deal is yeah, Kirk Cousins was playing really well, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like that was it didn't seem like that was an offense where and I don't say it was a bad offense, but it wasn't one where it, it schemed to make the quarterback look a lot uh kind of like in, in San Francisco. I, I felt like that the offense actually asked a lot of of Kirk Cousins to stay like hang in the pocket and get through reads um at times. Um and without him, that's a huge drop off. Um I think you, you take the shot in Tanhill just because of um I mean, you do have some track record this season. I'm, I'm guessing the Vikings see what they have in Jaron Hall this Sunday while putting feelers out for what they can get. But I, I imagine, and and I would I would love for that to work out. Considering yeah, before the season, I was all about like you know, hey, the Vikings have five offensive linemen returning. Um, this is more bullish than, than the market is, and for the brand, I would love the the Vikings to be able to get it back together post uh, post Kirk for this year. So- so uh, the the NFL, unfortunately the NFL trade deadline is on Halloween, uh, so I think like, anyone <laughs> like anyone has to make like a snap decision. But uh, yeah. this just came out, which is after the Cardinals has lost to the Ravens on Sunday, Coach Jonathan Gannon says Josh Dobbs will start a QB next week in Cleveland. Okay, and he doesn't know if Kyler Murray will be back for the November twelfth home game against the Falcons. 
Um, man, this really sucks because we're holding Kyler and both like, in, a, in our and our Emmy team. But also, like, given that Kyler practiced in full this week, like, at what point do they actually start him? Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Kyler situation's always been so interesting between what the organization, kind of like weird vibes they put out there, like with his contract and the Xbox. And it's like, there's like some sort of, and then they pull it away. And so there's some sort of weird dance between the organization and Kyler that makes like this situation a little more unpredictable. But at the same time, um, I think someone, I felt like I got alphaed when someone right behind me at the, the live Scott Fishbowl. Um, after I picked Kenny Pickett, they they emphatically slapped Kyler Murray against the board and everyone clapped. So now, <laughs> so now I guess the longer, you know, if, if Kyler were to take his time to, you know, get better this season, you know, it wouldn't, instead of coming back and tearing it up, it wouldn't make me look as bad. <laughs> um, to be fair, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, uh, I believe, Modern Warfare 3, would be released on November 10th, 2023. So it might actually explain some of the, why he might not be back in time for that November 12th <laughs> home game. <laughs> Hashtag scoop. Yeah. Um, enough of this depressing talk about <laughs> quarterbacks. CD Lamb uh, caught 12 of 14 targets for 158 yards and two touchdowns. You know, this is the second straight game for him. who had 117 yards uh, before the bye week. Uh, I mean, Lamb absolutely... I mean, whatever the Rams called the secondary was not enough to stop him today, right? Like, you know, he, the the Dallas offense has clearly started to pick up, really thanks to thanks to thanks to Ceedee Lamb. Uh, and um, Thomas, I have a couple of questions. Where would you slot him in uh, as a wide receiver going for the rest of the season? And why was I playing against him almost everywhere this week? And why is he costing me a lot of money? <laughs> yeah, it, it, like. You're wondering if he gets on the heater like he did down the stretch last season. Like over the last several weeks, last season, I think I recall he's like a, he's right around the uh, wide receiver one. Um, and um, see, so you, you wonder if like after some you know struggles getting it going and McCarthy figuring out how to use like you you, you would have thought it wouldn't have happened two seasons in a row. But again, maybe in this again this season they're figuring out how to use CD uh, into like mid late October before it really takes off. I mean, it's hard to imagine he's not a top five receiver. Um, I don't know if I'm bet- I'd be betting on him being the wide receiver one down the stretch. Um, like I think it was like right around last year. But um, you know, probably you know I I wouldn't argue too hard against right behind Jamar Chase. Um, but you just wonder, especially with the unknown at quarterback for Justin Jefferson. But um, yeah, yeah you, you do wonder physically with Dak. You know, it, it kind of goes in waves with him, where it's like where he's at physically compared to what he used to be is a little bit of a worry. But then days like today, it's you know he has the the mental part of the game at such an elite level that like maybe it's not that big of a deal, but. Then other weeks, it seems like, oh, is Dak at the tail end physically? So how that pans out, too, is another sort of uncertain variable there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, obviously, you love to see this kind of game from Lamb and love to bet on this kind of performance going forward. Um, I still think that probably this team has has some some question marks, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, it's not, 
like you said, it's not so much that I'm not a believer in CD Lamb even after this performance, but more um, whether Dak can sustain this kind of uh, this kind of production, <laughs> yeah, for that much, you know, consistently. Yeah, and you wonder if like the Rams' defense like wasn't terrible the first few weeks of the season, but like recent last couple of weeks, like yeah. Steelers in the second half and and today against the Cowboys, you wonder if okay they're they're going to the they're at the level we kind of figured they would be at um, from a personnel standpoint before the season on yeah. defense. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <clears throat> just looking at the Cowboys' schedule coming up, they do get some some games where you expect they can put up points. You know, we saw what the Commanders did against the Eagles. Cowboys face the Eagles next week. Giants and Panthers don't really offer much resistance on defense. So you could see some of these games turn into, um, you know, productive games. And maybe you get a few, you get some momentum going, you can keep this up um, throughout the season. And we see Lamb really, really kind of become the receiver that we've been hoping for. Um, But yeah, I'm not ready to, not ready to say he's the wide receiver one or anything, but uh, yeah, definitely. No, but today was nice as it was a reminder that he, like there's like, a, like there's like eight, I mean like the wide receiver, it's a reminder that the wide receiver market was very well priced mm. going in, right? Like you had JJ and then just, and then it was Justin, yeah, it was Justin Jefferson and it was Jamar Chase. Then if I recall correctly, it was Tyreek Hill. Yeah. No, Cooper Cop, Cooper Cop, then Tyreek Hill. And then it was like some mishmash of like AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, um, CD Lamb, a uh, couple I can't remember anymore. Now it's all going, it's all hazy to me. But, <laughs> uh, but it was a stark reminder. So it would I mean it wouldn't like uh, surprise me though. Like if we see him as like you know contending, like just putting up these like numbers. I mean, fourteen targets is absolutely ridiculous, and it kind of helps that it seems like the team itself is scaling back on Tony Pollard as a receiver, which is a shame. For those who drafted him, but I mean, CeeDee Lamb really makes stuff happen. Um, yeah, you almost wonder if if part of what, you know, apart from this game, what sometimes is holding this team back is that Lamb is kind of their only weapon in the receiving yeah. game. I mean, Cooks is fine, but, um, you know, you hope they would add some add some weapons. Yeah, that, as I was just reminded in the chat, two wide receivers I forgot there were Diggs and Amon Ra. <laughs> yeah that's like that's like the top eight like that was like they're such a i mean they're like weak weak, weak winners for you right right so wow. of all the names that you mentioned it's hard to actually say that you would definitely have lamb ahead of yeah. any of those guys rest of season it's, it looks like i mean yeah we got a little bit of tolbert today too right he was uh yeah one... he, he was cutting into gallops playing time looks like um so i don't know if that changes much but it's it's hard to get much more concentrated than yeah. uh, Lamb at 14 targets and then the next closest being like Ferguson and Ferguson. Cooks at four targets. Right. Yeah, but and Cooks was like, I don't know, he doesn't get that often. Um, the only uh, a, a profitable bet for me this season has been Brandon Cooks under receiving yards. It's been like hovering around 35 and a half. I've lost that the last two games, I lost it this week and last week, but it, it's been fairly profitable. It, it all comes down to like, Kavante Turpin emerging and then also how much they give like Jake Ferguson today but today was like a revenge game type of thing almost they were like kind of feeding cooks a little bit so um, not a not a not 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 a fun L for me to eat but you know <laughs> I'll eat it um 
Oh, Deontay Johnson. I want to talk about like other guys, other wide receiver ones. He caught eight of 14 targets for 85 yards uh, in the Steelers' week eight loss against the Jags. He had a hamstring issue this week, but he was he, I mean, he dominated the, the, the team's target share, 35%. Um, Kenny Pickett also missed him on a couple of easy throws. And one that could have been a touchdown uh, story of Deontay Johnson's career, right? <laughs> um, missed touchdowns. Um, so I had a, this is sort of a two-part uh, question for you here, Thomas. Uh, if Kenny Pickett does actually miss time, like what are you doing with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens? But also, like, does this mean we should be lowering Pickens' floor? Like, where do we think he goes now? Like, like what is your expectations for him rest of the season? Yeah, this one's interesting because it, on, on, it could seem – disastrous or it could seem like a, a reason to think it's just one week sample um but the, the uh, on the former uh disastrous side it's like pickens five targets to Deontay johnson's 14 um and you know is there assumption that trubisky is going to feed one over the other um and pickens was like emerging like someone who's consistent before Deontay johnson uh, return and suddenly now we have this shift. Uh, on the other hand, like there's all the, um, I mean, there, there it was a bit of a George Pickens hype week coming into this too, and how Canada yeah. like gets a lot of things wrong, but he actually the way he's been using Pickens has helped him uh, eat. And and does that suddenly change with just this game on a, on a rainy day where they have a unforeseen quarterback change midway through, or can you say that it's just it's a lot of chaos there and it's hard to um, you know, it's hard to downgrade Pickens too much. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just maybe, maybe there's a lot of noise here, and he's a he's a buy low if you can get it. Um, so it's weighing those two like like diametrically opposed ideas is uh is tough here. I, I, I'm more on the side of um, I don't know when I don't know what that's happening with the injury, and and Trubisky doesn't make me feel Pickett didn't make me feel good, but I knew I got consistency with Pickens with Pickett, and I I don't. Yeah. I can't just assume it with Trubisky. It's it's this is like the ugliest offense in football, man. Like it just it it just oh, and it's just such a shame because they're so talented, right? What's actually become funny is doesn't matter where you go, like these fire Canada chants just seem to be going off, right? They're at the Iowa game, like it's just ugly, ugly, just just an ugly, ugly scene. Um, I have really no interest in the in the auxiliary receivers on this, uh, like just from this team. I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I have no idea what to make of it. But like, I mean, Deontay Johnson turning in a vintage, you know, PPR merchant line just felt kind of fitting. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Connor Hayward, tw- forty routes run. Darnell Washington, three routes run. Um, so you're like, where can someone else possibly emerge? It's like, what's well, not tight end either from the uh, on the receiving side um unless hayward suddenly you know out of, out of nowhere but it's, it's tough times uh yeah i'm more uh more likely to think this is just kind of a one game sample in terms of the target split you know um last year when trubisky was starting earlier in the season he was targeting johnson much more heavily than Pickens, I think. And that kind of changed when Pickett took over. And at the time I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe there's something to that about the quarterback, but it's more likely, you know, Pickens is a rookie. He's coming on slowly, taking time to 
to, uh, you know, learn the offense and stuff and get used to the NFL speed and everything. So whatever, I'm not going to think about it too much. So, you know, seeing um, in a game when Trubisky throws most of the passes, Pickens only get five targets. It's reminding me of the, you know, early last year when Pickens wasn't getting the targets then either. So that has me a little worried for sure. But um, I'm, uh, I'm still hopeful that this is just like a, you know, an aberration. And next week we'll see the target totals kind of converge. Oh, sorry uh, for those of you who are listening to the game, uh, listening to to this. Uh, QJ just had a deep end zone target. And he just, just missed it. Uh, yeah, so in, in that uh, league we're in, I have Sky and QJ. So great great day for me for <laughs> oh, yeah, 10 fantasy points. Oh, no, I dropped it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a guy who is, scaring a boat, who is scoring a boatload of fantasy points at the wrong time is Jalen Waddle. Uh, well, wrong time for me, I should say. He got seven or 12 targets for 121 yards and a score. Right, the hundred-yard efforts uh, was Waddle's first of twenty twenty-three. The touchdown, though, that was the third in four weeks. Right, uh, Waddle has not caught at least five passes in four weeks running. Uh, so, Tom, it's like, do you think that we might see a bit of a second-half breakout here for for Waddle, or like, I mean, just the fact that like Hill keeps vacuuming up these touchdowns makes it pretty difficult. But like, do you at least think that like? Waddle has a highish floor, or what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, if, if folks want to check out, um, it, I'm invested in Waddle having second half breakout in part, uh, talking to uh, from talking to Blair. And then remember that game we did uh, a few episodes back on the week two last season, Ravens Dolphins, and previewing that uh, championship week game we got coming up this season between Ravens and Dolphins. And it was a very bullish uh, episode on Jalen Waddle going forward. Um, and so you're betting on that, um, or we're betting on that. I, I I know, I think Blair's got some exposure and 13 okay. targets for Waddle and Hill. Um, so that with that concentration between uh, those two, you know, ne- next down, you have you know, Braxton Berrios, Durham Smythe at three. Um, you can uh, get by without betting you know, needing too much like crazy of the crazy efficiency Waddle had last season, but you'd still expect good efficiency in this offense. But if you can get that kind of target volume, um, that kind of, uh, I mean, definitely raises the floor on uh, our Jalen Waddle predictions. Yeah, for sure. Like you, I'm, I'm heavily, heavily invested in, uh, in Waddle and a lot of the Dolphins guys, which has been, you know, for the most part, pretty good. Um, this season, but uh, Waddle has not quite uh, not quite performed until today. Um, you know, it's interesting that that uh, you saw Miami attempt forty five passes in this game, despite being ahead almost the whole time and winning kind of easily. Um, you know, I wonder kind of what to make of that kind of play breakdown where they didn't run the ball as much as maybe we're used to seeing the Dolphins run it. Is it just based on the matchup where Patriots are pretty good at stopping the run and a lot weaker against the pass? Um, I think there's probably some of that going on, but uh, do you think we see more up-tempo games from them in the future? Yeah, I, I, 
with the Patriots, you you always do wonder if it was a Bill Belichick thing. I feel like he could see on film like them doing uh, like Magic Johnson style passes or in handoffs uh, from the backfield uh, from Tua, you know, no, no look uh, jet sweep and be like no effing way against us. Not like I'm not being run on like that and just being like completely bent on taking that away. Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to like every watch that and, and read some more analysis on it, but it wouldn't surprise me if this, the, this was a bill Belichick is like just refusing to lose that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if something kind of like that was happening for sure. Um, next week they get to play the chiefs so hopefully we'll see a lot more passing in that game as well yeah yeah belichick yeah is that gonna be alpha on on his uh field in in the run game uh, <laughs> in, in this spot that it, it seems it seems like you know that that's just my hunch there um can move on to uh another guy that uh well I should have had more exposure to probably Chuba Hubbard rushed 15 times for 28 yards and caught two of two targets, 26 yards in the Panthers weekend win over the Texans. Um, Hubbard actually got the start in this game. Miles Sanders, of course, you know, he's missed some time, but he's also been one of the uh, least efficient runners in the league. Um, Do you think Hubbard did enough in this game to kind of, sideline miles sanders in a serious way yeah it seems like it um i mean sanders uh ran behind hubbard and uh raheem blackshear in carries um which is uh, a pretty stunning fall this i mean all, during the week sanders i guess was saying in the media like like I, i've been stinking this uh, i've stunk this season um <laughs> and so you know maybe that was a reason why uh to to why, why folks uh should should have, you know, including myself in one league, like in a bad, even in a bad spot, not started Miles Sanders now that he's healthy. Um, and Miles Sanders, it seems like like it's gotten to the point of the season where the the cap devoted to him ha- is diminishing returns for what the coaching staff and then the new play caller feels like they need to do. Um, uh, Thomas Brown now, you know, calling plays for the Panthers, um, and. Uh, you know the, the two like big bets on players that like you know we clown on or some clown on a bit but um like we we felt like the the, the type of running back salary in 2023 they got was a signal was Miles Sanders and David Montgomery and uh well David Montgomery they followed through that monetary commitment with the work um mm-hmm. and, and, and Montgomery's played better uh, but the other key difference is just that the offense just projected to be a much better better situation and I guess if the offense isn't as good and the offensive line isn't as good as it is in Detroit, it can be, it can fall apart real quickly. And the, the, the commitment to the player, the running back you spent and the decent amount on can, can just fall away completely by midseason If, if the offense isn't good. Yeah. I mean, the, the issue with Sanders though, so far has been, he hasn't been good. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think that he was one of those, like a classic dead zone back this off season just sort of where he was being drafted. Um, I made a pretty big bet on Chuba in sort of where I was drafting him. The issue is, at least with Chuba, is 
yeah, man, he's just so in like this is like this running game was pretty inconsistent. To that, I mean, so you just really couldn't be confident. But to that end, I mean, this was sort of a low scoring ish game anyway. This is one of the ones where people thought that was actually going to shoot out with a sticky shootout spot, and and it didn't sort of work out there, right? Um, I, I don't know if you were if you were listening to that as well, but uh, but on the other hand, it, you know, on the other side of the ball here. Dank Dell, another guy we want to talk about. He got three of his four targets for 16 yards. He also rushed thrice for 15 yards. Right? I mean, uh, what was really interesting, I think you brought this up, uh, was that he was out-targeted by Noah Brown, and even mm-hmm. Nico Collins was kind of quiet. Um, it was actually kind of a shame to see, at least in my opinion, that the Houston Texans, after being kind of freewheeling and kind of aggressive, have gone into this hyper-conservative streak this game and the previous game, right? So I wanted to get your take there. Like what like what do you think is happening? I don't think it's necessarily a CJ Stroud limitation. Like what is like what is going on with the offensive scheme here? Yeah, you you like I expected as the offensive line got healthy uh since they started they had so much uh, turmoil on that front in the in the preseason that um you go from an offense that had some upside and was like a little frisky to one that's like pretty good. Um and and you have Tank Dell coming back from injury this week, and instead, like yeah, you, like my main worry was um, how the the targets would shake out. Not so much that the offense would regress uh, dramatically. Um, you know, that's what you had here today on, on both counts. Uh, Tank Dell, yeah, with the three targets and Noah Brown's four. Tank Dell really kind of exploded once Noah Brown went on IR, um, and so seeing the way that uh receiving core looks now uh doesn't feel very concentrated at all um and on top of that you know we, we had fewer you know pass attempts to, to you know to, that than you would expect today dalton schultz only got three um a weird a weird game yeah uh this is a real shame because i think both of these quarterbacks like well strat has already shown it but today bryce young actually showed splashes of why he was picked First overall, you know, like he had he had a few real real thread the needle type of type of passes, and the Panthers have uh, this is on the show sheet. So I'm gonna throw you a curveball here, but the Panthers have been pretty vocal about adding another wide receiver one, and the player that they've been you know sort of uh, linked to is Jerry Judy, who who did who played pretty well in today's uh, win over the over the Chiefs. So I wanted to get your take on: Do you think they actually do trade for him? Do you think Judy's on the move, and, and if so, do you think he's going to join the Panthers? And how does he fit with uh, with this offense? Yeah, it seems like like uh, the new staff and, and ownership like really want to um, create some confidence, uh, both for you know their their top first overall pick, but also just I'm guessing like the perception of their first overall pick. And so, uh, so much, you know, buzz around CJ Stroud at number two while Bryce Young was struggling uh, and, and the you know, perception that they passed on the wrong guy or, uh, or they took the wrong guy this early. It's um, uh, Jerry Judy just looked like he, I mean, he looked inspired today, uh, whether it was the, yeah. had a nice like corner out for the touchdown, but also went up and got it uh, deep over the middle and a contested catch. It didn't look like a guy who's checked out today. And uh, whether the Broncos pounce on that to trade now or whether they feel like it's a, 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 they're suddenly back in it and perhaps they should, um, you know, just 
just throw Jerry Judy the ball now that um, he's feeling it again and, and see if they can become like a wild card out of the AFC West. It, it'd be interesting to see which of those two um, happens with Judy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it feels like the Panthers are playing two games, right? Within you, there are two Wolves, right? And they're both screaming that you need to get a second rush, like running mate for Adam Thielen at least, right? Like that's, that's how it feels to me. Like, like, like we know, like, like if if you if you guys subscribe to Legendary Upside or even read Blair's um, great matchups column, like the one thing, uh, actually, uh, this was on Legendary Upside where where Pat Karain mentions ex- pretty explicitly, like he pulls up Adam Thielen's like 2022 profile, and this is like the most watched guy you'll ever think of, right? Then he pulls up his 2023 profile, and it's just like ridiculously like a changed man type of thing. And I do think that it's just a just a net positive. For I mean, it's a, it's a net positive for Bryce Young because, like, how can you evaluate a guy who you traded up for with Adam Thielen as a wide receiver one? You know what I mean? Mm. It's also there's only so much you can truly, truly do with Thielen under like, like with Thielen as your wide receiver one. Um, Jark is Jark is fine. All these guys are fine. They're not they're not great, but you do need like a game breaker, like you were saying. Judy probably gets you that game breaking talent. Yeah, I mean, Judy was so good down the stretch last season. Like, um, and this season's been like a weird one for him. But um, it, it's yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's interesting how he's went from uh, someone who is one of the like rising stars in the league, uh, like coming out of last season, to someone that everyone's like dogging like uh, a month and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like dead in the offense. Um, but like, Sean Payton must suck, dude. Like it must suck playing for him. Like, it must. It must really. Like, I mean, like Judy left a lot of meat in the bone today. Six targets, two catches, fifty yards, and a score. Like they could have done more. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. It, it, it really was like yeah. It was just the two plays that. But like he, he looked like he looked like the guy who's a first rounder and was seemed like he was going to pay off on it down the stretch last season. Um, and so I mean that that glimpse has got to you know, create some trade value at least. What I mean, I could even see them trade, like if it's, if Sean Payton doesn't like him, like, I mean, that's a team that could deal Judy, even if they, they think they have a real shot in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Do you think Carolina is, I mean, assuming it, that that's the trade we're entertaining. Do you think that situation is an upgrade for Judy? I mean, you know, he led the Broncos in targets today on a day when they only threw 19 passes. But up until now, obviously, this hasn't looked like a situation where he can thrive. Um, do we think that's in Carolina with a rookie quarterback and an offense that, for the most part, is still trying to figure out kind of their identity? Yeah, I mean, yeah, as far as like thinking whether you're in fantasy, you're trading Judy and sort of anticipation of some sort of deal. Yeah. Um, hey, it's just such a tough like. Oh, and then I guess the trade does happen with Carolina. Then like, you know, do you think it's buy, uh, you know, uh, buy low or sell high there? Um, it. I mean, because we have a new play caller in Carolina. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you see someone who can get uh Bryce Young going. Um. It, but it's so hard for me to just only see one good week from Bryce Young and then feel like I'm I, I would value him higher in Carolina um, because Russell's you know he's given us some other weeks where he's actually like putting up numbers even when Judy wasn't doing anything so there actually is like a, 
a decent sized pie we know in Denver. What we need is another Marvin Mins explosion week because by God, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. It's just it's just great that he just really touched the field. I think that's fantastic. You know, this guy is a guy <laughs> who Sean Payton went out and drafted, and now he gets like one target a game if we're lucky. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like I it was mean, ramping up, and then he like drop yeah. uh, an end around, and they launch him into space. <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's but that's where I think like like maybe I'm wish casting this, but like I do think a trade for these Denver wide receivers optimistically gets. Just gets, yeah, this what Cobra Kai said in the chat, which is, I want Jerry Judy out of Denver just so we can see Marvin Mins live. Yeah, I think that would be the normal play. But realistically, what Sean Payton might do is, like, we'd probably see, like, a three, like a four-way with him and friggin' um, Adam Troutman and Dracon Smith and little Jordan Humphrey. And then you're just sort of sitting there like, oh, and, this is not gonna happen. And Devery Henderson and Robert yeah, Meacham. <laughs> just yeah, like all the all all of the old like the one thing the the one thing you can you can uh say with confidence upon Sean Payton's like current tenure in Denver is that my god, this man loves nepotism. <laughs> right? Like um anyway, uh a guy a guy who uh isn't a, a product of nepotism but someone who we've liked to the late on tight end. Dart Trey McBride, he got 10 of 14 targets for 95 yards and a score in the Cardinals has lost to the Ravens. Uh, Zach Ertz is on IR and, you know, McBride stepped into that TE1 role and much like Ertz, like McBride targeted early and often in short areas of the field and he was able to break few, uh, break free for a few long plays. So, um, you know, I mean, where do you think he kind of finishes a, se- a season off? I have no idea if this is the end we've seen of him, but like, you know, where, like, how much would you be trying to get him for on waivers? And is he an every week, you know, startable tight end for you? I mean, 14, is that the highest tight end? Like maybe Kelsey's gotten around there, like in double digits, but has anyone gotten yeah. 14, like else gotten 14 targets in a game this season or, or close at tight end? Um, I mean, you're, it's such a, a mess out in them, uh, out in them tight end fields. Uh, the season that, like, and especially, especially when you you have fewer and fewer weeks remaining, like you kind of want to like shoot your shot with um, uh, with Fab. Uh, like I wouldn't mind going like thirty three percent. Um, if you like, I mean, I mean, and the, the talent I'm mean, seems to be there too. Made like a ridiculous catch, uh, deep over the middle. Uh, I don't know how. I don't. I'm not sure I've seen a tight end like uh get a ball that's that high since like or that 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 high in altitude since uh like early like jimmy graham um and if they're willing to target him that many times in a game and it's hard to expect consistent production out of like more than like two or three tight ends this season like the value over uh or the, the amount of points above what everyone else is getting at tight end like the chance at that um is worth like pretty pretty big spend yeah i agree i think given these targets um this number of targets and this level of production that we saw uh you know you gotta consider mcbride definitely a tight end one rest of season and probably you could even make a case for top five i mean with how weak (laughs) the rest of the position is yeah this really sucks though because like every week it feels like we've missed just barely 
the guy who you need in our main event waivers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this week it was Trey McBride. We got absolutely ruined. Like the guy, the guy who bid for him bid one like a few bucks over our fab, like a total fab left. And he was the guy who also rostered uh, like Ertz. So it was like a one for one for him. It was just the most painful like lot like uh loss that we've taken, I think. So well not it wasn't the most painful loss we've taken on waivers. I think one of our more painful ones might have been yeah. uh losing Josh Downs. Um Cobra Kai says Trey McBride is now tight in four behind Kelsey Andrews Laporta. Thomas, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, he did, I mean evaluation. He supports that. He supports that with saying Hawkinson is uh pretty much dead now with cousins. Uh, right. went down. Waller also went down today with a hammy. Kittle, honestly, we uh, that's our next guy that we're going to talk about. Um, and then Goddard is competing with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, right? Like, this is actually kind of, I kind of agree with that as a good valuation. Like, his biggest, like, McBride's biggest, um, uh, competition for targets is is Michael Wilson, who isn't exactly who, like, he's not exactly who will bring up targets. Yeah. I mean, we know it's going to happen with, you know, we, we know Kittle can put up like 100 150 easy with with Debo out and then when Debo's back it's it's cooked um, exactly yeah and so yeah I mean tight end four it sounds I mean that 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 like as I'm processing that more like I could go 50 percent like remaining fab on, on Trey McBride just because yeah as you lay out the, t- the position is such it's a mess so bad dude and it's, got worse this I mean, week somehow yeah. yeah i mean i mean i mean bits bits is the next guy i think about because like if you have heineke under center and um london misses time i really think bits is in that conversation right like i, I think bits is like pretty much locked and loaded like i think bits becomes a really interesting guy there um mm-hmm. uh even i think i think bits is frankly more interesting even with heineke under center but still saying McBride going from waivers to top five tight end is pretty nuts. Um, I need to figure out where I might be able to pick him up, actually, because that's pretty, it's frustrating for me to not have solid tight end play. Yeah. I got to. And then I guess, I guess, yeah, McBride, McBride does um, overshadow another kind of interesting riser in Dalton Kincaid a little bit. Mm, um, right. Mm. But uh, you know maybe Kincaid's eventually in play for. I mean, what, what is it like four weeks before Knox comes back? But if Kincaid is is balling in the meantime, um, it's hard to make the assumption that Knox changes it that much. Um, right. If Kincaid is doing like you know numbers, right? I mean the 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 thing with Kincaid, and I think Ben Gresh mentioned this last week, is that like it's just so difficult. I mean, like in in order for Kincaid to truly go off, right? Like uh is like you need a lot of duds and i don't think that we're just going to see Diggs fade away and we're not going to see Dave, gabe davis fade away either and if you guys really want to listen to to what ben had to say check out last week's episode because because uh he had a really good argument about what his ceiling is but the issue is it's a position right um another guy who we're not on the show sheet which probably is i mean the tight end everywhere but ffpc is Taysom hill who got a ton of rushing work today Nine carries, I think. Uh, I forget what the rest of his life. I know he had, I know he scored a rushing touchdown. And if you guys will forgive me for one second, let me just pull this up. Only one target, as I recall, though. Yeah, but it's kind it, of a departure from what he's done the last couple weeks. I don't know if yeah, but, Johnson being back had anything to do with that, but uh, it's it was a nine carries, sixty-three yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, um, for Taysom Hill. Which again, because he's he's that multi-classed 
quarterback tight end, right? So it's a tight end position. So everywhere yeah. but FFPC, he's a he's a pretty big cheat code there. Um, if you, if you can get him. Yeah, I think going back to Kincaid, the one thing that kind of makes him still interesting is that you do expect the Bills to be able to put up points. So you can kind of you you increase kind of his touchdown expectation compared to someone like McBride, where the Cardinals, even though they actually did score quite a bit today, we don't necessarily think that offense is as good. So I don't know, maybe six Kincaid targets is about equal to like eight McBride targets or something. So even though you you have a higher opportunity expectation for McBride, could the fantasy expectation be the same because you expect Kincaid yeah. to be more efficient? I don't know. I, I think I think they're still schematically running this offense through the tight end. The Cardinals are, whereas yeah. uh, and this we we'll just get into it, right? George Kittle today had 11 targets. He got nine of those for 149 yards. In the Niners' loss against the Bengals, he was dominant today. He caught passes everywhere, right? Wide open in tight windows. You know he should have had two. He sh- you know he should have had a touchdown. Had Birdie not thrown an interception on the play, he was heavily relied on, and you know has looked like the old version of himself lately, but this old version only exists when Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk aren't playing, <laughs> right? And we know Debo is going to be back at some point, and Ayuk really hasn't, should be seeing more targets. But I really wanted to get your take here, Thomas, on Kittle's role here. But really, the guy who I want to talk about has been, you know, Birdie, like just the, just like a, like literally the week after everyone thought of him as a top five young NFL quarterback. He's gone 0-3 since then. I really want to get your take there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Kittle again. Yeah. I mean, you could set your clock by him, you know, becoming a top three tight end whenever uh, Debo's out of the lineup. Um, and then Debo out of the lineup, definitely. It seems like it's something um, as a benefit to Purdy to be able to pick up like a bunch of like, uh, you know, two-yard throws with like 15 yards of yak, like counting on that, like, or and you know jet sweep and what have you um that's a, that's a nice asset for the quarterback i don't know if it's all that though like just teal like debo will be back and then we'll get the the purdy we had um you know when he was like winning like his first eight starts or what wh- wh- whatever it was um and you kind of worry about the the get right spot for purdy like i don't really see an obvious one coming up um mm. At Jacksonville, home for home for the Bucks, you know, uh, uh, Todd Bowles can like you know like is, it can show up on defense. Uh, two against the Seahawks, which the 49ers have torn. I mean, they torn apart in the past, but seems like a defense that can, you know, is maybe starting to come together and figure it out. And, and depending on the week, be pretty good. Um, and then he's at Philly, which is yeah, it's another defense that um, you you would expect to be good even if it's been inconsistent. Um, but like none of those are an obvious get right spot, I would say until like Cardinals mid December. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not the, the easiest schedule coming up for the 49ers. Um, you know, I guess uh, a lot of the games they've already played have been against some pretty, some fairly weak defenses, at least the ones they've won, uh, you know, beating the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals already. So, um, yeah, there might be something to to that idea that Purdy's kind of been been benefiting a lot from having a fairly easy schedule so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see 
to see going forward how that impacts uh, this team for sure. Yeah. Anything else we want to touch on before we say goodbye? Uh, I guess maybe we could talk a little bit about Kenneth Walker. Uh, he uh, Today was like his lowest touch count of the season. Uh, mm. He rushed eight times for 66 yards. Uh, in the Seahawks' win over the Browns, he also had four yards on one catch. Uh, realistically, most of his most of his production came on one carry, a uh, 45-yarder, mm. but he, and he managed 25 yards on his other eight touches against the Browns' defense, I mean, the, the, which is known to be stingy against a run, right? You know, I expect that this week is going to still be tough for him as he faces off against the Ravens, um, but also wanted to point out that Charbonnet started to eat into his workload a little bit. He only had five carries for, for like 53 yards or 54 yards um, and had the same number of targets. So, Thomas, I wanted to get your take here on on, on Charbonnet and uh, Kenneth Walker himself. I just sort of was curious where you thought, you know, do you think that we're going to see more of a rotation coming up? Like what, like what do you think is going to be happening here? Yeah, well, I, I've I have some you know Charbonnet exposure, so I was uh, on the Hopium all week with um, with Kenneth Walker uh, missing practice, um, and then suddenly Friday it was like he's practicing. There's no injury designation, um, but you know I <laughs> wonder if they're. It's so hard to figure out how to piece all that together, uh, uh, but it does like raise you know question marks about what uh, what physical state Kenneth Walker really was in this week, and. and and if that played into the, the, the low, you know, carry count, um, and the Seahawks offense had really strange game. Like they, they're in it the whole way, but they couldn't stay out on the field at all from like the second quarter through the through, through to really the last drive when they got the turnover and went ahead for the score. Um, a really strange game where the Browns defense like basically shut them down after the first quarter. Um, but you know, if you you got some sharp, I mean, and I I, did, I got some Kenneth Walker too. Um, but if if you have Charbonnet, you do, you do like seeing those numbers get closer together and, and touches. Yeah, I've got a lot of him on underdog fantasy actually. Um, as I was just saying in the chat that you know I've got a lot of dead underdog teams with Charbonnet. So optimistically, what can happen is I can go from eighth place. The fifth place by the end of the season, I can face say to myself, ha, the process was right. And I'm not going to make any money, but, you know, I could probably tell my wife, look, the process, the process, and I can get kicked out of the house, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, too much Charbonnet exposure, yeah, gets the, the, the suitcases at the door, um, unless <laughs> you know, Kenneth Walker, I don't know, if it pisses off the coaching staff with bouncing stuff outside, or or it's a week where you, he really is in danger of missing uh, the game, which yeah, on Friday I was like, okay, Charbonnet week. Oh no, not at all. Okay, and then yeah, now, no, no, well, we just can't have nice things. Why should we have nice things? Yeah, between that and Tank Tank Dell uh, on the rookie front, it was, it was <laughs> Tank Tank Dell's return week, and then oh wait, no, all the concentration. Uh, it, it's 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 a total free for all in the the Texans receiving game. It's all distributed, evenly distributed now. I hate what the Texans are doing. That's like the one I'm going to be watching for. We're probably going to discuss this next week. Spoiler alert is is <laughs> uh, figuring out what the Texans are doing because, like, I, like for like the first six games of the season, man, like CJ Stroud was the absolute truth and a half. You know what I mean? Like, like, like everyone was saying this guy was a consensus one of one. Like, I mean, Blair and I were uh, were out here actually trying to get S2 cognition tests so we could take them online for you guys' entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
uh, side note, if anyone knows how to get an S2 cognition test free sample that they offer online, please let me know because this fake website just does not let you get a like a downloadable free sample. So, so uh, for, for like all we know, we have officially like had our had our email information added to all these different you know janky listservs um, uh, that we you know we might not we might not be able to get to. But if anyone can get us a copy of the test, we will take it online <laughs> for you guys just to see how we score against Bryce Young and 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 um, and uh, 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 CJ Stroud. I mean, I think I just think most of the team, uh, most players, just thought it was bullshit and tanked it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. It definitely doesn't seem to be uh, producing um, the results we. You know, that were kind of hyped, so interesting. Um yeah. Uh anything else uh that we need to discuss? Um while we're on the topic of Seahawks actually, I do wanna get your takes on on Jackson Smith and Jigba. He did get a touchdown today, but with Metcalf back in the lineup, he's kind of back down to only four targets. Is the is the rookie breakout was it just over as soon as it started, or um, how concerned are we that JSN is not a major part of this offense? It seems when Metcalf and Lockett are healthy. Yeah, and um, it seems like uh, like him and Gino um, aren't totally in sync yet. Like the, the, as, as far as like how efficient that that can be at this point is a little ways off. I think there's one play where it should have basically been a pick six when uh, Jigba, uh, Smith and Jigba breaks off his route and sits. Um, but uh, it looked like Gino thought he was going to keep going and that you know, could have been easily been a pick six that uh, you know, changed the outcome of the game. Now they did go back to uh, Smith and Jigba for the game winning score on a screen, mm-hmm. but yeah, for for the kind of slot guy, you imagine him to be that sort of sense of uh, when to stop and when to keep moving, and and that rhythm with the quarterback really needs to be in sync to work. You know, thinking like you know, Eli Manning and like Victor Cruz, and it's mm-hmm. far from that kind of rhythm. Yeah, the interesting thing was that uh, it just seems it just it still feels like a two wide receiver offense, right? Like Metcalf had 14 targets. Went five for sixty-seven though, like it sh- and like most of that, like almost all of that came on one play, forty-three yarder, right? So it's like it's like what, what I was hoping. I was hoping, at least all of us were hoping for, for like where we were drafting him. His preseason ADP in redraft suggested that we'd see a little bit more of a three-way split, and that's yet to really emerge. But I do think that the that the Seahawks need to start considering that three, like a, an actual three-way split. Right, because you can't have, you, you you can't just keep peppering DKM with, with with targets when he's not getting anything done, right? Because then this is a waste of production, and the Browns are too good to let that go. I mean, like he had like like, like he had his pocket picked multiple times on plays, right? So you have to figure out like if if you really are only going to use GSN more so as like a bit of a decoy, defenses should be able to key in on that, right? Like like to make them respect your first round pick because he's shown that he's good. So at least make them respect that he's an actual threat as opposed to just sort of 
you know, having them like either either having him run these shallow shallow routes that are like worthless, right? Like essentially, like you're okay with giving up a handful of routes underneath, you know, a handful of yards underneath as long as you're preventing these like back breaking plays. I don't know, I don't know. I I mean, I honestly genuinely don't know ball, but I'm just curious what your guys' takes are. <laughs> I mean, uh, Cobra Kai has a good point in the in the chat. I don't know why people thought JSN was going to take Lockett and Metcalf's job. That's a valid point, of course, because those are both talented players. I think the thing that, you know, if he's going to take one of their jobs, it would be Lockett, who's already 31 years old, um, who's um, shown a little, a few signs of decline in terms of not having quite the efficiency that he did earlier in his career. Of course, some of that is just regression because he was so efficient earlier in his career. And, you know, there's almost no way for him to keep that up. Um, but you do kind of expect uh, Lockett's decline to happen faster than, uh, than uh, you know, faster than we expect, basically. You expect it to happen faster than we expect. That doesn't make sense, but hopefully you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's, I guess one thing that is a little surprising since it's usually the reverse. I know it is for me that as you get um, older, you get nicked up more, but it seems like Lockett's done a better job staying on the field as he's gotten mm. older. Um, and, and maybe it's just how often he, he gets on the ground or having like the veteran sense for avoiding more situations where you can, I don't know, uh, get nicked up. But Lockett's, yeah, I mean, on, on the field every game this season and uh, and Jigba is having trouble uh, breaking that, yeah. that, that duo's target share. Yeah, it's actually surprising and pretty impressive that Lockett is playing as well as he is um, this long into the league. He's someone who, you know, you have late round draft pick, late NFL breakout. Um, you don't tend to see those guys have long, successful NFL careers the way Lockett has. So um, he's kind of an outlier in a lot of ways. Exception to the rule, man. Yeah. Yeah, um, but at least, you know, I got... Uh, Smith and Jigba did, you know, I mean, for the game-winning score, like they're they're having trouble, you know, having him and him and Gino read the same thing. Uh, but on the game-winning score, they're like, we can just use his ability to run after the catch. We don't they don't have to be seeing the same thing. Let's run a screen. Let's have DK block, and then uh, you know, DK Metcalf's uh, big body will will shield off two defenders, and Smith and Jigba will use his speed and. That's so they, they did find a way to put them in a spot, hit him in a spot to do what he can do right at right now um, to get the game, the go ahead score. Yeah. And you hope that 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 play, which was, you know, impressive, even if it was kind of exactly what he was supposed to do. But um, to have that be such an important play, such a key play, I think probably um, earns him some more looks going forward. One would hope anyway. Yeah, sometimes you have a key play late that sort of that springs a young player. Um, exactly. Gets him on a run. Exactly. All right. Um, anything else we need to discuss? We've kind of gone uh, gone pretty long tonight, but that's all right. It's a good discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we should just keep a candle up for Jaron Hall, man. Yeah, definitely. Unless we're unless we're banking on Tannehill being uh being the Vikings savior, let's let's see what all all can do. Man, I'm just I'm just super excited for the trade deadline. I think we're gonna see some good movement here. See some big ones. Yeah, should be exciting. Um, 
All right. Well, a, go ahead. It's, I, I just want to see a big game from QJ here, but you know, <laughs> the things are just aren't going to happen here in 2023. Yeah. You know, I, he yeah. must be having, I mean, four catches for 32 yards. That's got to be like career highs, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you got Eckler going six, catching all six of his targets for 100 receiving yards. I mean, we can't we can't get greedy. So this yeah, is that could can we call that the QJ night? Is that four for thirty two good enough for <laughs> qualify for two, QJ night part two or prime <laughs> prime time part two? Is four for thirty two enough for you to not drop him after this week? Is the question? Oh, <laughs> uh, if you're an FFPC, you shouldn't be dropping him just because it's so deep. You shouldn't you shouldn't still own him. You is what you're saying. No, you should <laughs> drop him because you should not drop him because you and I have him. Although yeah. I think I I don't know if Bomber's coming back because he he left the game and he was on a seen on a stationary bike. Okay, uh, we'll keep we'll keep uh we'll keep the light on for Quentin Johnson. See whether um he can he can build on this kind of mini breakout performance. In the meantime, thanks everyone for joining us and uh, hanging out. Make sure to subscribe and hit the like button. Check out all Thomas's work. He's doing the podcast still. Hopefully some new episodes coming soon on that. Um, you got anything else going on that you want to tell tell the people about? Uh, yeah, just the, uh, the rebroadcast. Of, yeah, I did a couple years ago with Stephen Ruiz, the Oilers, Bills, the comeback um, with Frank Reich there. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have another episode. Next new episode's coming in November uh you know in talks with justin edwards right now to talk about uh the steelers and Bengals and, and playing each other in 2015 it seemed like that was uh an inflection point in a lot of ways for the nfl but we'll, we'll dive into that awesome awesome yeah that sounds exciting definitely be sure to check that out and um yeah thanks again for hanging out we will talk to you next week Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.